In this episode of 92i Talks, Tan France and Queer Eye castmate Anthony Porofsky discuss France's new memoir, Naturally Tan, hear about how he came of age and found his voice and style. The conversation was recorded on June 4th, 2019, in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. The coffee with cream and sugar is tan, yes. and the black coffee's mine. There you go. Uh, lots of sugar. Lots of sugar. Um, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for coming out. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we were actually here. How long ago were we here, Dan? Uh, we were here about seven or eight months ago. Okay, so here's the thing. I feel like it was a fluke that, because the 92nd Street Y, like so many iconic people yeah. have donned this stage, and I felt like it was an accident, or like we snuck our way in somehow. We did. I slept with the right people. And somehow we're... <laughs> yeah. Your husband got you in. He was really happy about it. <laughs> no, he pimped me out. Yeah, he pimped me out. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so I have to say, I'm... Don't cry. I'm not crying yet, but I did, get, I did get very emotional. When I'm underslept, I tend to get really emotional, and I was um, riding on my way here. You see, normally with these panel discussions, you get the book quite a bit of time in advance, and you get to like, do your research, and you get to read the book. You get the questions, and you get to study them. That wasn't the case for me. You know me better than most I people do. in my life, I so do. this should be really easy for you. And we're going to go rogue a little bit. I have my post-its. Ah, so, good. Yeah. Going to make them really uncomfortable. Good. Um, are you ready? Always. Okay, great. So I'm going to start off with the questions that were provided to me. Great. So not my own. Great. Tan. <coughs> yes, dear. What's your favorite thing about me? Oh. Easy. <coughs> um, okay, I could go on and on and on. I'll ask you the real question. No, okay. let me answer this. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. So the funny thing is, and I heard you did the same thing because somebody told me last night, anytime somebody asks me at one of these things about Anthony, I cry. Um, and then apparently you got really emotional when somebody asked me about you about me a few weeks ago. Um, he, uh, okay. I know this is about my book, but I'm going to make it very clear. He's one of the best people I know, and, uh, and we became... I, I love my boys on Queer, I really do, but me and him have, very, have a very special bond, and, uh, and he's, if, if he's not with me, I get really blue, and I call him a lot. Um, but yeah, if he's, <laughs> yeah he's just, he really is one of the best people I know, and I got to know his family, and, <laughs> and his family are the best. He's, he comes from real good stock. Like, he's an incredible person. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I love his outfit tonight. <clears throat> For once in my life, I feel more dressed up than 10. Yeah. Let me tell you this. God, we're not going to be able to do this 50-minute thing. There's no possible. fucking way. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, my, I swore before you. I know. What the fuck is going on? Um, there you go. Here's the thing. I, I did... You are more dressed up than me. It's because I had, like, three outfit changes. Um... I'm sure, uh, whenever I go to one of these things, people say, oh, I didn't know what I was going to wear, but tonight, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to wear. I had two outfits planned out, and I put them on, and I was like, that doesn't feel right. And so, I changed. This is Tan. A slight heel. Yeah. A billowy shirt. Ski Skinny-ass jeans. French talk. A French talk. And he probably has, like, the geekiest Salt Lake City socks underneath. They're probably not very cool. There, uh, there's nothing cool about me, you, you know that. You wear very comfortable socks. Yes, I do. Okay. Let's get to work. Yes, please. We're here for a reason, after yeah. all. Hi, everyone. <laughs> uh, so, is there anything you wish you would have put into the book that you didn't? The simple answer is no. I, uh, when you read the book, um, Anthony, you will know that... <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, that was shade. <laughs> I'm not sure how, but you pulled it off. I, um, I poured my heart and soul into this book, um, and I, I added everything I wanted to add in. There are a couple of stories that I could have added in, but I really do value uh, uh, some privacy. And before, before the show, I was actually a very, very private person. He and I didn't have public accounts. Uh, we, we, would, we didn't have... Thousands upon thousands of followers. I don't think we really knew how Instagram worked. No, we actually. definitely didn't. They had to give us a training. Uh, Jonathan taught us. Yeah. Yeah. 
he was unwise with his guidance. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he taught us. I just, uh, I, I'm such a private person, you know, ordinarily. Mm -hmm. And so there are a couple of stories that I just thought, I want to keep that for myself, that I want to give myself as much as possible to help inspire people in our community. But there's definitely a couple of things that I think I want to keep that for myself. Well, you mentioned even, like, I think it was somewhere near the end of the book, that there are, there's something about having this platform of being, I hate the word, but I'm going to say it, famous, mm -hmm. that has sort of like forced you to sort of like hone in on certain parts of you that you feel like you're more comfortable sharing. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that there's also like a catch-20. Oh, hi. Hello. <laughs> you're good. No one noticed. You, it's fine. And, and you missed my wonderful playlist. Like, you missed out. But your shirt makes up for it. It's fine. Um, so while there are certain parts that, and I can totally relate to that, where there are certain parts that you like have sort of like focused in on that you've been like more comfortable sharing, do you feel like there's, there are certain parts also that you kind of like regret sharing or things that you've sort of like oversaid? Like in an interview where you kind of say too much and you're like, wow, I can't take that back. You know, actually, I'm, uh, no joke, and, and I, I, this is the first time I'm saying this, I, I did start to think about this a couple of days ago. We use the word repre representation a lot, and, and I do because, uh, because there aren't that many people that look like me on TV. And I wondered if I was doing my people a disservice by talking about representation. Maybe it's time to just be, and that is all that is necessary, just by being visible, just by being myself, by being authentic, maybe that's representation enough. Maybe we don't need to beat that dead, dead, dead horse. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. Yeah. <laughs> um, has anyone in your fam... Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, has anyone in your family read, read these before? Has anyone in your family read the book, and if so, what did they think about it? Okay, no, I, had, I purposely didn't let anybody read it because I didn't want them to tell me they were upset about this one story in particular. Um, and I didn't want them to try and get me to take it out before the book comes out. And it's nothing, it's nothing really bad, but it's a story from when I was 17. I'm not going to give too much away because I truly do want you to read the book. Because honestly, I think it's wonderful. I, I'm, it's, the, it's the thing I'm the, the most proud of up, up to this point because I'm more honest than I've ever been. And you know this, our show is 42 minutes long each episode and we're focusing on a hero. And so we don't really get to share with the audience really what our life was all about. We and get it's our, edited. Yeah, massively yeah. edited. And so, uh, there's a story about how I went to New York when I was 17 and didn't tell anyone in my family, and I lied. Um, and I told them that I was going somewhere else across town, but really, I took my first... Were you wearing a white leather belt? <laughs> no, but I wore white you leather shoes. You wore those willingly. I did. I wore white leather shoes. Um, <laughs> which are coming back. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I took an international trip. And... After working on that chapter, I just thought, if my kids, uh, you kids, if you're watching this in 20 years' time and you think for a second that I will let you get away with that shit, I will annihilate you. So I think it's near the beginning. <laughs> near the beginning of the book, you're actually mentioning. Um, Whilst I speak, you, what you do is you plan out your next question. <laughs> but I want to listen to you. <laughs> I'm so joking. I'm oh so joking. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm so joking. You mentioned how <laughs> there were a lot of rules growing up. Yeah, there were. Had in terms of like who you could bring home, who yeah. you couldn't. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of like the parent that you're going to be, and you're like, damn right I'm going to have those rules as well because we never know what kids are up to. They're troublemakers. Yeah. Yeah. You knew a lot of South Asian people. He is um, very down with Brown, which I really appreciate. Um, <clears throat> it's my favorite quality about him. And, uh, and so you know this. Our, my culture is very different from Western culture. And so we weren't allowed to really mingle outside of the home. We weren't allowed to have sleepovers. And I used to think, gosh, all my white friends are allowed to sleep over at each other's houses. Why aren't I? And now I know. <laughs> and my parents were so much smarter than everybody else. Because let me tell you this. There are dirty men everywhere. I love men. And girls. And girls. But mostly guys. Mostly guys. The amount of shit you hear when somebody, something happened to a young boy or girl at somebody else's house, I'm like, I'm not letting that shit happen, and my parents were smart enough. So I say in the book, and I will say it a thousand times over, my kids will not stay over at anyone's houses. They will stay in my house, because I know I'm not, I'm, I'm not a dirty bastard. So your parents... <laughs> 
So your parents were right about that? My parents were so right about that. What's one thing, either parent, both parents, a thing that they did when you were growing up that you know you want to do differently for your kids when you have them? I want, uh, the one thing that, that's a good question, was that yours or theirs? Mine, baby. Well done. <laughs> well done. Um, I, I really felt stifled by uh, the career options that were available to me. Um, doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And... Um, <laughs> Yes. Which are all fine if you want to be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. Wonderful, wonderful. If you want to spend the rest of your life having to continue to study. I hated studying. And that shit was boring as far. <laughs> and so, and let me tell you this. I was a smart kid. I actually was, I did really well in school, but I didn't ever, I didn't, we, we call it revision. I can't remember what, I think you call it study. When you have to practice before you're an exam, do you call it study? Studying. Study, okay. <laughs> Sorry, in England we Pretty call... Pretty sure it's universal. No, it's not. In England we call, in England we call it revision. Oh. Um, ah, revision in French. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so... Um, <laughs> it's true. That's just a fact. And so... Speak um, multiple languages. <laughs> me too. Thank you very much. We're the only smart ones of the five. JK, oh my God, I'm so kidding. I am so kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm picturing Jonathan running out. I know. Heels in a baseball bat. Jonathan, if... Jonathan, if you're there, don't shoot me at this point. Um, I'm going to say something worse about you, so wait for it. Um, no, I'm so joking. And so, yeah, I, I wish that they had given me the freedom to express my creativity. Um, they really didn't want me to study fashion. They were so against me doing anything creative. If you were good in art class, that's fine, but you better get A's and everything else. And I wish that they would just have let me go to fashion. Turn that phone off. Um, he will call you out. I will. Or I will insist on speaking to them. Um, and yeah, and I would, uh, I would say if it were my kids, if they want to be creative, why not be creative? You can be just as successful in a creative job. Was there a moment, like a very specific moment in your life where you decided fashion? Fashion. Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't know what it was. I used to, so I used to work at my dad's, uh, my granddad's uh, denim factory, not work work, but on like the summer holidays, I would go and see him. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Um, and he had this incredible denim factory, and I learned how to make jeans and, and denim jackets and stuff. And I always thought, oh, I really want to do that when I'm older. And I used to tell him, I'm going to be a machinist when I'm older, thinking, God, that must be the most incredible job and pay really well, because you're creating clothes that people wear. It does not pay well. <laughs> that is not, it is not a career. Well, it does for you now, I would yeah, argue. Now that, it so. does. But back in Kingdom the day. Kingdom and State. Heard yeah, of it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a brand I own. Um, yeah, so it, I, I thought that maybe I wanted to be a machinist, and then I realized, no, I just wanted to be able to create clothing. And so, yeah, when I was older, I then decided that I was going to do that. Can I tell you one quick story that is in the book um, that... I'm not going to give too much about, away about, but what happened was I was meant to study psychology. I, I told my parents that I was going to go, go study psychology. Uh, my sister was already, she had graduated. And so I was like, okay, I'll do that. That's something they're going to be proud of, even though I did not want to do it. I just wanted to keep them quiet. They were constantly nagging on me, at me. And so I've, brown parents are really naggy. Like, I love them, but my gosh. And so, um, so I was like, yeah, I'll go. And after about six months, I realized, holy shit, this sucks so hard. And so, um, so I dropped out and signed up for fashion college. Didn't tell them. And then three and a half years later, I was graduating. And I said, all right, let's go for my graduation. On the way. I said, tricked you, bitch. I'm not going to graduate. The psychology. That's not like you either. You like let people know as soon yes. as you know something, whereas I linger and say, Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you do. No, no, no. That's not like me at all. But wow. I knew that they would have Were killed you afraid? Me. Yeah. My mom slapped the shit out of me. <laughs> I was 20 and I go, Phew. Yeah. Yeah. If you were afraid of that, how the hell did you deal? Well, the two things that come to mind are like, how did you deal with bringing up Rob? Yeah. That was, an, actually it was easier, it, it was... Rob is his husband. Rob, Rob is my husband. He's the original France, his name's Rob, Rob France. And he, um, it was easier with that because I'd already told them I was gay at that point. I came out mostly when I was 16. So it was easier to say, hey, I finally found somebody and I'm in love with that person. Coming out was harder um, because in my community, I didn't know anyone that was gay. Mm -hmm. At least in the Western culture, there were, there were a few gay people, but in my community, you do not talk about that, so that was actually super hard. Um, and so the way I did it was by telling a family member at a time and then recruiting them to help me tell the next one. 
Very manipulative. Was it easier for your mom because he looks so much like you? Or? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it was easier for her because um, uh, because he, he's really sweet. You know him. He's the sweetest like guy the in the world. Like the nicest guy in the world. And he's I think an she just, yeah, he is. And I think she just realized that I was with somebody who was going to really take care of me. Not that I need somebody to take care of me, but she knew that I wasn't, he wasn't going to do me dirty. Yeah. Yeah. That's really sweet. That's really nice, huh? You were talking about, um, we were talking about getting into fashion. So you've worked mostly with women's wear lines. Yes. Why women's wear over men's wear? You guys have such great options. My God. <laughs> and it was, like, you can, you can be so creative, and what you can do is, men are a lot more hesitant to wear something crazy, mm -hmm. whereas women, you can, you can go balls out like it's fine. And so... Because um, you're so conservative with your choices. I used to be. I used to be. I used to try so hard to pretend I wasn't gay, and so I used to dress like a proper boy, like a proper dude, and I hate Not crossing so your legs. Oh, that, there's one part in the book that I talk about. I don't even know what that was. was. Loud. Um, there was one part in the book uh, that I talk about that used to drive me fucking insane. When uh, so I, I, I struggle now because I've got tight jeans on. Oh, and okay. Well, I you used love to, a double. Cross. I used to love a double cross. I, I and I used to put my foot up as if I had heels on. And I did this when I was like five or six. And then finally, one of my cousins slapped my legs and I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like you're sitting like a girl." Boys don't sit like that. But I was so comfortable that way, and it was, just, it was what my body naturally wanted to do. And so that used to drive me insane. I had to find really creative ways to pretend I wasn't gay. And that was the first time I realized, oh, crap, I'm different, and that it's not okay to be different. That was literally what I was going to ask you. Yeah, that was, that was the first time. I was probably five or six, and I started to panic, thinking, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, how am I going to hide this? And for a kid trying to hide that, it's, it's super hard, like, you're dealing with so much, you're trying to navigate your way in the world and then trying to figure out how to hide exactly who you are is a real shitty feeling. Who's the first boy you ever had a crush on? Easy. His name. I'm going to tell you his full name, even though I don't know the book. His name was Ricky Agar, um, and I was 13. Uh, I was probably 12, he was 13, he was a few months older than me. And this is going to sound so sick because I'm a grown-up now, but... Well, okay, no, I'm not a grown-up now. I'm, an, I'm of age now, but I'm definitely not grown-up. And, um, and we, were playing, uh, we were playing in the playground, you guys call it recess, and he was, playing, um, he was playing basketball, and it was a really warm day, and he took his shirt off, and he had a... Don't say, well, it's 13. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the person wooing was 13. <laughs> okay. yeah. And he had a full-on six-pack, but that's just because he was a kid. Like, Oh, it's like the kids who have it because yeah, they're genetics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, <laughs> I know, so, and I remember so looking and thinking, whoa, who is that dude? I'm going to marry him. Um, <laughs> and then uh, he made it very clear he was only into girls. No, I didn't ask him, but oh. he always had like the hot chick at school. Again, 13. Um, but yeah, it, that was the first time I thought, oh, I might be in trouble here. I don't just like him, like, I love him. Although you thought that was love at the time, have you ever been in love with somebody and it was unrequited? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so many times. I always got dumped. So many times? So many times. Penny! So many times. Here's the thing, and I'm going to be really honest about this, and I promise you I'm not playing the race card when I say this. I come from England, and in England, it's quite racist. Actually, very, I love England, but we're a lot more open with our racism. Here, you guys are a lot more passive-aggressive, I think. Some That's parts. Just a fact. Um, whereas in England, if you don't like somebody because of the race, you usually just say it, which, which really sucks. And you know how there are certain communities here who are treated as their second-class citizens? That's exactly how it is for Pakistani people in England. Mm -hmm. And so you would never dream of taking a Pakistani home. Like, and you, people's parents would say, marry who you want, but not a Pakistani. Um, and so, yeah, the amount of times I wanted to date people and they would say, it's fine if we sleep together, but I could never take you home. It was real sucky. But then you found Rob. Yeah, because Rob didn't know what Pakistanis were. So it was really <laughs> Yeah. Didn't yeah. he trick him? Didn't he See, think you were. Didn't he think He you thought were... I was Mexican. <laughs> and a lot of people still do until he opens his mouth. People say yeah. a lot to me a lot, and it drives me insane. Um, 
Maybe they're just practicing their Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, actually, the first date I went on, I talk about our first um, date in the book. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Ah, no, it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I describe. Or maybe it is. Buy the book. Find yeah. out. <laughs> I describe it the way Jonathan would describe it, so it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, no, but we, when I first met Rob, it was online, and he only had a picture to go by. Okay, let me preface this by saying Rob is wonderful, and he's not racist in any way, but he's from Wyoming, you guys. <laughs> and there were no brown people in the town that he came from, and so... And not also, one. No, and also, to make it clear, in Utah, there really are like 10 brown people, and they're not usually from... South Asia, that's just not the thing. And so he's, he deduced by my picture that I must be Mexican because there are only Mexicans <laughs> who are brown in Utah. Anyway, so when I walked out of the house on our first date, he came to pick me up and I started to walk up to him. Apparently in his head, he was like, he's not Mexican, he's not Mexican. He's like... <laughs> yeah, first date. I know, he was very confused. <laughs> so you dated. Yeah. Long distance. Yeah. Super in love. Six years long distance. Six years long distance. How often did you guys see each other? Every six months for three months. I was living in the UK, he was living in America. So if you come at me and say, oh, it's so hard to date, they're 15 minutes away. Like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> if you like them, though. <laughs> and we have the luxury of these, in these days of having FaceTime. You can make it work. And let me tell you this, when you take sex out of the equation, it's amazing how lovely a relationship can become. When you, if you, in the, you know how, okay, let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you dating advice. <laughs> you know the first- Please. I, <laughs> you know how when the first, I, I have dated many a, an idiot because the first six months, we all know this, the sex is so good and you're like, he's amazing. And after about six months, you're like, he's a dick. The sex was so good, like you just convinced yourself that he's great, but really he's an a-hole. And then, you, well, then you're too far in, like it's hard to break up with them. And so what you find when you are dating long distance is there's no sex, all there is is FaceTime or Skype or whatever. So you get to know them on this purely emotional basis. And so by the time we actually were able to live together, I knew him better than I've ever known anyone on the planet. Like, we... Did you guys ever at least like jerksies on FaceTime You... Sorry, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> you invited me. You know what a lady I am. <laughs> Clearly. Of course I did. So Constantly. Constantly. Who Give doesn't? the people what they want. Who doesn't? But I never sent an inappropriate picture, ever. And here's the thing, don't be stupid enough to ever send a picture. You never know what, what you might do for a career. Thank God I never sent anything inappropriate. There you go. Yeah. So... You got married. It was a glorious day. Glorious. There was a ring snafu. There was a ring snafu. Read about it for details. <laughs> what I'm curious about is, so you're married. When you were in bed that night. Yeah. I'm not, no. God, we are. <laughs> Give them what they did want. Anything, did, uh, anything, <laughs> did anything change? Yeah, but knowing that you were like legally bound to it wasn't person. the it wasn't the night it was uh, truly immediately afterwards we went for um, like a wedding high tea I know that sounds so weird but that's what we did <laughs> sounds very tan actually it's very me we went for high tea and I remember sitting there thinking I feel this overwhelming sense of security like I've never felt before I'd been with him for a year and a half I knew that he was my person um, and I didn't go into this lightly I, I knew that whoever I married, it would be forever. I, I come from a community where divorce really isn't a thing. I don't know anyone in my community back home who, um, who has ever been divorced. And so when you get married, you get married for life. And so I remember that day thinking, gosh, this is truly now my person for life. And I felt this beautiful sense of security. Yeah. I knew that answer, but I love that story. And every once in a while I ask him because I just want to hear it again. Yeah. And truly, it got, it got better and better every day. You've seen us together, like, we, we're, he's perfect. You're such nerds, which is like the best. Such nerds. I, marry a nerd. 
The hot guys, they got, Rob's hot. Don't get me wrong. And he got hotter at 40. He got super ripped at 40. I don't know what happened. He's very hot. I'm really pissed off about it. And he's now. growing his hair out now, and it's like curly and wavy. It's like, you know, like a 90s Brad Pitt vibe. Sorry, yeah. go on. What's driving, <laughs> what's driving me insane is I love cake more than anyone you will ever meet. Like, and I'm not embarrassed by it. Like, you will see me go to town on that shit, like, in public. Um, and he, I'm sure you've Will been... you eat, like, an Entenmann's cake? I don't know what that means. <laughs> will you eat, like, like, in the store, they're, like, white with blue writing? I'm sure you have a lot of it in Salt Lake City. <laughs> um, it's kind of, like, processed. See how that was shade and then... <laughs> <laughs> It's basically like store-bought pre-packaged. No, like no. Cake. I'm very... You will not waste your calories. No, dude, I do not waste my calories. If I take a bite of something sweet and it's disgusting, I, it doesn't matter how much it costs. Milk I bar or death? Yes, it's yeah. Milk bar? You, are you guys mostly based in New York? Okay. Uh, if you haven't been to... I'm not sponsored by these people. Bread's Bakery. Their rugula and their, their chocolate rugula is heaven on a plate. And their babka, far. Can I say something embarrassing? Yes. So we know um, this, the lovely Danielle who, who reps Bread's Bakery, and I had my college buddies coming into town. I saw, I was so and jealous. I knew that they were going to be partying because they're party monsters. And we, in, early in the morning, I wanted to get fresh pastry. Croissant. Yeah, croissant. Um, <laughs> and so I emailed her, and I was like, can you please send over two boxes of. of Bougie uh, bitch. <laughs> Bougie bitch. But I did that. Because I did here's, that a little, here's a little, right? Yeah. yeah. Post a little story. They get love. We get love. It's all, yeah. it's all fine. Because they are literally legit the, the only best. bakery in New York that actually, or that's what I'm told. I may be wrong. Somebody can fact, fact check. Most uh, croissants are actually made in Jersey, and yeah. then they bring them yeah. over. They actually make their own on the spot. And the difference between one that just got out, came out of the oven and being driven like a few hours is the world of a difference. Yeah. And when they're stale, you can make a lovely bread pudding. Back to the question. <laughs> Let's switch anyway, gears. Wait, 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 wait. So I didn't finish what I was saying. Oh, sorry. So I love baked goods more than life itself. Um, and I'm on the road a lot, so I don't get to work out as much as I ordinarily do. And Rob decided to pull the ultimate dick move when he was about to turn 40. He got so ripped. And now I look at him and I'm like, you vile bitch. <laughs> Before, when you were just a regular person, I could eat cake in bed and not feel bad about it. But he'll come over and he's like, oh, is that more cake? I'm like. <laughs> and he'll come over with half an apple. <laughs> he's such a dick. But he's like a real American boy too. Like he loves his steak. He loves his steak. We'll always Very order it. Sorry, vegans, he's, he loves his steak. Yeah. Let's switch gears. Queer Eye. Yeah. Yes. What do you want to know? I still roll my eyes at this because I don't fully believe it, but you've mentioned several times yeah. you were going to retire. Yeah. I had retired. At the ripe old age of 34. 33. Thank 33 at the time. So sorry. Yeah, 33. Is, was that something that you wanted? Was it just something like you were just done with the biz? Where, where Two did that... reasons. Yes, I desperately wanted it. I, I, when I was younger, I swore to my mom. So going back to the story about not telling her that I was going to fashion college, uh, she was so disappointed in me. And I said to her, look, I know that your ch other children, I'm the youngest, we're both the youngest in our families. Um, and I know that your other children are successful academically, but if you will allow me to just do this, I promise you I'm going to prove my worth and I will be your most successful child. And that, uh, that wasn't, I promise you that wasn't a, a, an arrogant comment to her. I just thought, if you are the first at something in your family and you know that you are going against the grain, you better prove mm -hmm. that you can do it. Otherwise, you are the punchline for everyone else in your extended family. At Christmas, oh, you don't want to pull a tan France. Like, you don't want to right. be the butt of anyone's joke. They always say that about me. Yeah, I know. Um, My family and mom's constantly saying, you don't want to pull an anti Provsky. I was like, I know, mom. And so, <laughs> believe. And so, um, and so, yeah, I really felt like I needed to to prove my worth. And so I thought, I want to I wanted do enough and build my own company at some point where I can retire by 40. Um, but things went frankly really well, and then. Um, but what would you have done with your? With all I your wanted time? okay because you're a like you're a busy bee. I'm you're old. like me. We, yeah. You don't sit still. You love oh. to take your daytime naps. Yes, always every day, forty minutes. 
But you love to like, I feel like you, you love to be stimulated. You're a very yeah. passionate person. You love people. You love yeah. interacting. Like you, yeah. you're, you're, you're a true extrovert. Yeah. I, I, here's the thing. I, I don't think I would have just given up completely on work. I would have consulted, but just in my time. But really, as you know, I, I want children more than anything in the world. Um, and no matter what this life affords me, that I always feel like I'm missing the most important thing in my life, which is children. And so, uh, so yeah, I, want, I wanted to have children. I want to have four minimum. Um, and I, that's truly not a joke. I truly want to have four minimum. I come from a big family. Rob comes from a very, very big family. Um, and so, How I, many siblings does he have? He has seven siblings. I know. How many do you have? I have four. We come from very large families. Um, and I actually have the smallest family in my extended family. Usually they have seven or eight siblings also, children also. And so, yeah, I love a big family and I'm, I love my siblings so much. And it's just this, the, 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 yeah, the, the vibe in the, our house was always beautiful. And so I wanted to just raise my children. I wanted to be a stay-at-home stay dad. You're gonna be such a good dad. Thanks, my love. I'd like to believe so too. Yeah. I think so. Thanks, my love. I'll be the godfather. Yes, please. <laughs> Switching. Back. Do not teach them crazy shit, though, because I do not approve of that. No, I'm going to be like the fun gunkle. I'm going to, like, buy them a bunch of candy and, like... No. No. Legos? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And puppies, and then I'm just going to leave them. Yes. Only if they're corgi puppies, please, dear. Oh. Uh. We, we had discussed this. We connected. The first way we connected, at the, actually, at the audition was because... You had said, oh my gosh, I love corgis. And I was like, I love corgis too. I don't know if you remember, but I yeah, that's, that's how we first chatted at our audition. Yeah, because you didn't like me very much when you first met me, actually. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Let me tell you why. He was so nice. And I, I really like to gossip at the end of the night, like about my day. He's a little bitch. Yeah. yeah. I, I would like to believe I'm a very nice person. I, I am. I'm kind to everyone. But shit goes down during the day, and you want to be able to say, can you believe what that idiot said to me? And, and I thought that he's not, he's not that down bitch. And I was like, I can't be with somebody who's just, like, saintly all the time. The funny thing is, is we found out that he thought the same about me. And so we barely spoke for the first week or so that we were filming, and then finally... We had this one evening where he invited me back to his apartment. We all stayed in the same apartment building. And I was walking, I was walking him back to his apartment. Wait, it was a little weird because we were exhausted. The other boys were yeah. partying and then we got a ride back and we had not slept. And then he was being a gentleman and walking me back to my apartment. And then, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but like we got there and we were really tired and part of me did want to get to know you. But then I was like, fuck, he walked me back. Like what, I have to up, I have to up him because I have to up everybody in life because that's what I do. You're a one-upper. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, do you want to come in for a cup of tea? And then he said yes, and I was like, fuck. I know. And in my mind, I was thinking, what the fuck am I going to talk to this guy about? <laughs> and it was kind of really awkward at first because I, I keep the lights low and I like to light candles in my room. <laughs> and I was thinking, what is that? Did I have the plants already? <laughs> yes. And so was this, a, this was the first time There's you were in the... Oh, gosh. So I have... We, we live in, you know, when we film Queer Eye, we don't, we're not in our own homes. And it's really important for me to feel like it's a home, and I love plants. So I spent, like, a full week's pay on just filling the place with plants, and I had um, Star Wars and G.I. Joe figurines everywhere. It was so weird. <laughs> It was so weird. So he walks into my apartment and sits on the, sits on the furniture, and I like light a candle, and then I'm like, fuck, this feels too sexy. <laughs> and then I looked, and I was like, no, but there's, there's like literal like figurines. Like, we're good, we're good. <laughs> and then I made a cup of tea, and I think we were both tired, and we had our guard down, and we just... For four hours? For four hours. We sat and talked. It, was, it got to like three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, okay, we have to leave. We've got to shoot tomorrow morning. And I think I shared more with you that night than I have with anybody. Me too. And then, I, and then as we were leaving, I gave him a hug and I was like, I think you might be my new favorite person. You were like, yeah, same. And then we've been inseparable ever since. Yeah. 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 I don't know how I'd be doing all I of this without you. I don't even get me started. You. Don't get me started. I know. We cry a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Does you do too? Yeah. Uh, it feels really good. So, uh, it, I'm terrible at math. We started at 7.30. I was told we had 50 minutes. You've got we... 10 more minutes. Oh, we have 10 more? Yeah. Oh, great. I can ask Wait, we started question. at 7.50? No, we started at 7.30. Then now it's time. We'll take two more minutes. We'll Go take on. two more minutes, because I want to I hear what yeah, everyone yeah, has to too. ask you. I hope yeah, there's some too. embarrassing Okay, can stuff. I tell you? Okay, can I talk about the book? Can I tell you what my, a couple of my favorite chapters? Yeah. Okay. All right, we're here for the book. <laughs> yeah. um, I was a little offended that yeah. all of your style icons, like you mentioned G, yeah. but I wasn't in there. <laughs> I, know. I would like I to know. Believe, I know. I do actually love the way you dress, but I would like to believe that I helped bring out your kookiest. 100%. You've become very experimental, and I love that. I really do. That's thanks to you. Thanks, my love. Um, okay, one thing I do want to touch on that's in the book um, is a really important chapter, and it's the, the chapter that I left out until the very, very end. Um, uh, the, the, I think the book is really fun and funny, and I want it to be lighthearted. I can be serious, but I'm, it's not very often I'm super serious. Like, I will always make a very inappropriate joke to lighten things. It actually made me, like, uncomfortable at first how much you delve it. No, like, in yeah. sort of because you do bring like levity and humor to everything that you do yeah. and you have such an amazing perspective on life like this guy's never shown up on set in a bad mood and if he's in a foul mood he'll let me know but he still always has a smile and the way that you go into it, anyway it's really fucking good thank you um and so uh, it was i wanted to make sure it's a fun book i want you to truly enjoy it but there are certain things that desperately needed to be said and there was this one chapter called never forget um, and it was, it was I, I wasn't going to add it, and then we, I added it just before, actually just after we closed on the book. So they give you a certain time when you can write the book, and I had this wonderful writer, her name's Caroline D'Onofrio, who I worked with very closely, um, and, uh, and we would communicate every day, and they would ask, them, my publishers would ask, is there anything else that you want to add? And I would say, no, 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 I, I know exactly what I, what I want to add, and let's leave it at that. But then, after the book closed a few days later, I was like, I, I have to add this one more chapter, and I'll feel like I did my people a disservice if I don't write about this. I am a very lucky person. I'm very privileged to be in a position of uh, influence. We have a huge platform on Netflix, and now I have a huge platform on Instagram. And uh, there's this one, the rest of it will be lighthearted, I promise. But um, there's this one chapter that needed to be added. Um, and I want you to read this and I want you to really understand this chapter. I was worried about it because I thought Americans might really come for me for this chapter because it's really hard, I think, for Americans to hear. Um, it's because of 9-11. You guys, I understand what happened in this country and I feel this was, it was so shocking. The world felt it. But whenever we see Never Forget written at the airport when we're coming into this country, wherever we go, that Never Forget is important because we don't want to forget the people who were victims of 9-11. However, what they also need to understand is that Never Forget means don't forget to treat people that look like Tan as terrorists. Even though those people are a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, fraction of the, the Middle Eastern world, the, the, uh, the Eastern world, <clears throat> That encourages people, before this fame, before all of this, to stop me every time I went through customs and treat me like I'm a terrorist. To, for people on the plane, when they saw me walk on, clutch their purses and start to look around or focus to see what I'm pulling out from my bag. Like, that's a really shitty feeling. A really shitty feeling. And I'm not the only one. Every Muslim I know feels the same way. Feels like, yes, every time we see that, never forget. That means one thing for us. Treat us like we're trouble. And you even mentioned, yes. <laughs> And something I want to make clear, and just in case you, you, you don't read the book, I truly hope you do, but I want you to understand this, is that we are just as scared as anybody, any other white, any white person. When these attacks happen, there are Muslims in that building who died. When, when England's attacked, there are Muslims who are being attacked. We are being attacked by two, we are threatened by two uh, factions at that point, by the terrorists and every time we walk down the street. We are attacked constantly. I remember when we were traveling, we were coming back from, uh, from Guadeloupe and we were at the airport and we went through security and we both made it past and we were walking towards our gate and then a security guard actually, we've never actually spoken about this publicly or actually to each other yeah. since that happened. Yeah. And a security guard came up to Tan and took him away 
And he was like, how long were you gone for? You were gone, like, a good 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, that was the shortest time I've ever been. Normally, it takes about three hours. 24 times coming into this country, I was detained. 24 times coming into the country. And he mentions that in here in, like, a lot of detail with, like, your, mm. with, with issues that you've had with the TSA. Yeah, where they will ask the most fucking ridiculous questions that they would never ask Brittany from uh, Iowa. Like, the... <laughs> Stupid shit, like the most stupid shit. And when you first... It's not an offense to Brittany. Brittany's a beautiful name. Bri oh, my God. <laughs> I love Brittany. Um, but, yeah, it's the kind of shit that you just think, I, I know why you're asking me this. And they'll always say, no, no, it's random selection. Go fuck yourself. Is it hard to keep your cool? Mm, yeah. I, I talk about this in the book, too. It's really hard now to keep my cool because... I'm going to ask you for one thing. I, uh, you can ask me for pictures anywhere on the street and I'm fine. But when I'm being <laughs> harassed by customs, it is really hard to keep a smile on my face and say, yeah, sure, I'll take a selfie. They that is not the place, guys. It's not the place. <laughs> it's not the place. And somebody did an Instagram post about what a bitch I was because I wouldn't take a picture with her. Picture with her. But my bags were being checked. And I was, I'd been there for an hour and a half and they were truly t treating me so disgustingly. They were so aggressive. And this girl came over and she was like, can I get a quick selfie? I was like, I've been here for an hour and a half. I'm so sorry. You can see that they, they're treating mm -hmm. like a terrorist. Can you just give me 10 minutes and then I'll take a picture when I'm done with this? You even gave her that? And she went on a rant on social about what a bitch I am in real life. I was like, are you fucking... Can't make everyone happy. I know. I know. Yeah. Is it easier now? Y yeah. Because usually there's a member of TSA who's like, oh, it's just Tom France, he's not a terrorist. But that's really... <laughs> <laughs> but that's really shitty. It's like, just really think of shitty. all the people who experienced that. Yeah. Who aren't Tan France. I know. From Netflix's I know. Queer Eye. And I remember all those times, all those years that I went through it when I wasn't Tan France. I was just Tan Safta. Yeah. Just carry your memoir around with you. I know. It's like, who are you? And be like... I know. I know. Okay. Do we want to hear what everyone yeah. wants to say? Okay. I can say the person's name. Well, they wrote their names, so I can say it. Whilst you're getting ready for that question, there's somebody in the audience. Uh, you guys are all, all watch Netflix because you watch Queer Eye, right? Okay. After this, I need you to go and watch a comedy special by Ryan Hamilton. Um, it's one of my favorite comedy specials on Netflix. Uh, I got to meet him tonight. He's wonderful. Anyway, go, it's so fucking funny. It's so fucking funny. Go check it out. Me and my husband laughed so hard at that fucker. It's so funny. Ryan Hamilton. <laughs> So, Jill D. asked, which celebrity would you love to make over if you had the chance? Or even oh. style dress up? Okay. Uh, um, Not in a way where they yeah, need yeah, a yeah. change. Give me a whoop so I can know where you are roughly. Oh, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> just that won't work for anybody else because you're close enough so I can see light on you. But everybody else, I, you'll have to give me a whoop, unfortunately. Um, so, who, I, I don't do this. I don't do makeovers for people because I don't think they... They need it desperately. It's not about what they're wearing. The makeovers that we do on the show are beautiful because we are, the makeover is secondary. What we're doing is we're trying to connect with them and hopefully change their lives in the most positive way. Yes, I use clothing as a vehicle to help them see themselves in a more loving way, but it's definitely not about new clothes. Um, but if I could dress a celebrity, it would just be so I could hang out. Uh, with that person, and so it would be Adele. She does not need my help. But I just want to say, I'm going to put you in clothes, and all I need you to do is sing the whole time. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so this dear, sweet, 12-year-old, and then she oh, wrote Girl with an Arrow so by the name of Avery. <laughs> I thought it was oh, God, I just remember what I asked earlier. Oh, my God! I... Um, Avery's parent or parents, I'm so sorry. I thought it was over 18s only. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Anyways, this dear sweet angel who actually wrote, please pick this one. Oh, wait, give me a whoop. Where are you? No. Oh. Hi. Hi. I'm so sorry, parent. Did you ever have any concerns about going into a show with an all-gay cast and a bad reaction from the public? I think both of us in particular did, right? I think we were both nervous about it, no? Terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was really nerve-wracking. I, uh, I, again, we were the most private of all of us, um, and I had lived such a private life, and actually a lot of my extended family I wasn't out to, um, and so it was ne really nerve-wracking. But the most nerve-wracking thing was being on a show uh, so publicly and knowing that I was one of the first openly, um, uh, openly gay people of not of color, but from South Asia. Um, and I knew that there were, there were big plans from, to make this a very big global show. And being that person, um, it was terrifying. And so I actually tried to quit the show a couple of times in the first three weeks. True story. Um, I tell you about that in the book. The story's not like I truly tried to quit and they wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that very well. Yeah. The pressure's insane. I can't even tell you. The pressure's insane. Uh-oh. What is... I just couldn't read it. I'm going to come back. It was going to be too vulgar. Okay, No. Um, so, Sechil, Sechil, Sechil? Sechil. Sechil with a cute little heart. Um, what has been the best, worst aspect of the first-generation immigrant experience for you? Sorry for the loaded question. Happy Eid. Uh, <laughs> happy Eid. Eid. Happy Eid. Where are you, Sechil? Hi. Are you celebrating Eid today? Oh, Eid Mubarak. Oh my God, I can't believe you came here. Eid is like, this is such a, a terrible way to describe this, but it's our version of Christmas. It's my Christmas today. Um, so Eid Mubarak. Um, and his book came out. Yeah, I know. It's your book birthday and yeah. Eid. Yeah. Um, okay, best part, of best part of doing this um, and being Asian is that I get, to I get to be that person for kids, actually, and adults, um, that there's never been before. I wish that I had somebody on a show like this that I could look up to and say, God, you look like me. You live a life that I lived, and I've always felt so alone, and I, 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 I'm really jealous, actually. Um, yeah, I wish I had that, because I never saw that, and I felt really alone. Um, the worst part is, um, there isn't a worst part yet, thankfully. I look, I, I'm so proud of this, so no, there isn't a worst part yet. I think the first part also is not having mentorship. I think that's something that's quite common for LGBTQIA yeah. plus folks is that we didn't have those mentors growing up. Yeah, we didn't. It was mostly like heterosexual figures, so we kind of yeah. have to like figure it out on our own. And we were caricatures of ourselves right. on TV. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Jack from Will and Grace, but he was the most extreme version. Of, no, so but there wasn't much of it like, really when that's all it. that you have. Yeah. 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 Very good question. Ten, Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak. As a Pakistani, yes. I almost got it right. Yeah, it's okay. No, no, no. How do you recommend being an ally for gay Muslims in the community? How do I recommend it? Anum Raza, Ahum, Anum. 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 Where are you, Anum? Hi, Anum. Oh, hi, Anum. Um, okay. I would suggest uh, it's hard because I know how hard it is in our communities. Um, the only way you can be, be there for them truly is to lend them your ear, lend them your support, be there um, for them when you know that they're going through a hard time, offer them uh, guidance when it comes to their family, encourage them to give their families time. The easy thing to do, the easier thing to do when your family feels like they're not going to accept the life that you have is to run away and, and not have anything to do with them it actually is a lot harder to give them time and allow them time. You've, we've had a whole lifetime to get to grips with who we are and our sexuality to a certain extent. Um, they haven't. This might be news for them. And so we can't expect them to understand immediately. Give them enough respect to let them to, uh, ask you questions, uh, uh, offer answers. Don't let them disrespect you. I'm not saying that for a second. But at least allow them to ask you questions so they can understand the life that they didn't understand before then. Love you. Love you so much. What did you learn most about yourself when writing your book, XOXO Rachel? Hello, Rachel. The really nice scripty R. Hi, Hi, Rachel. Oh, great earrings, Rachel. Um, uh, what did I learn most about myself? You know, uh, writing a book is actually really, really hard because um, I thought it was going to be a relatively simple process. I just tell a few stories, make people giggle, and then that's it. But if you really want to write, I know many celebrities at this point who have written books and they kind of phone it in. Like, I'll give two hours to this book. This, I, hours upon hours, you, you did the same, like so much work. There were a lot of Indian food dinners that you had to bail on because you had obnoxious calls with your co-writer yeah. to get this done. Yeah. It really took, it really affected yeah. our friendship for a long time. Yeah, yeah. 
that's her, beat her later. Um, and so, um, yeah, so what I will say is um, that the thing that I learned from this was that I'd, I'd let my past go. I, I would never say I was bullied as a kid. And truly, I would never say that. But once I started working on the book, I realized that I had to put up with shit that is not okay. Mm -hmm. and, and I brush it I brush it off for years. The last 20 years, I've not thought about what it was like to be a kid. Oh my gosh, there's one, when you read the book, you'll know, but when you're walking back with your brother, and then these, you're greeted by a group of mm -hmm. like, white trolls. Anyway, yeah. go on. Um, and it was really hard to, to write those parts. Being really vulnerable and talking about what it was like to literally have to run to school and back home hoping that you wouldn't get beaten at the age of five knowing that I had to try and find a white family to walk closely to otherwise I was going to get beaten up that's a shitty reality at five years old um, so thinking back to those feelings was really, really I cried so many the woman in front of you is actually my co-writer her name's Caroline I cried with her so many times on the phone and it was I'm so sorry that was so awkward for you um, <laughs> Like, I fall on, like, went for it. And I'm sorry about that, love. Who does your henna? Or do you do it yourself? I do it myself. Hero. I do it myself. Um, and I wasn't allowed to do henna as a little kid. Sorry, there's something there. I wasn't allowed to do it as a little kid because that was a girly thing to do because it's typically women who do it. And I was desperate to do it. But now, I'm free, bitch. And I can do oh. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I swore again. Sorry. How quickly we forget. I know. Um, and so now, every time I get to do something really public, I'm like, yeah, I'm South Asian, and I will show my ethnicity. Charles, who has beautiful handwriting, asks, I am of the opinion that you're the best dancer in the scene breaks. Outside of Beyonce or Gaga, who would you cite as your dancing inspiration? <laughs> Charlie, where are you? Charles. I, I prefer Charlie. Charlie, hello. Can I call you Charlie? Good. Um, so here's the thing. I truly... I know who it is. Who do you think it is? You love Nicki Minaj. Love Nicki Minaj. I love Nicki Minaj. However, that's not it. I was obsessed with Bollywood music as a kid and movies. And I thought that I was going to... Truly, I thought that I was going to be a Bollywood star one day. Um, and so I would practice the dance scenes that I would see in the movies, and they were so lame. They were so lame. But yeah. I would have given all the money <laughs> to have That's been the worst. a spy on the wall watching. I'm dreaming, on. still dreaming that one day a Bollywood director will say, You will be in a Bollywood film. That I will just... happen. <laughs> it just... has to. I just want like If a, you can summon croissants, you can make yeah. it happen. I feel like it's... I just want like a walk-on. I just want to be in the background serving somebody something. Like I just want a walk-on. Yeah. Cute little fashion question oh, from fashion. Chelsea. What was your favorite look from the Met Gala? No. <gasps> <gasps> okay. Um, Google this if you don't know who it is later. Not now. Um, Ezra Miller. I knew you were going to say that. And I will say... A lot of the men did a better job than the women this year. Yeah. And I like that the tide is turning. I like that the tide is turning on the red carpet. I like that men are being more bold. Like you, you, me, Jonathan, Bobby, mm -hmm. Kramer, we, we, and like Billy Porter, it's usually the, yeah. the people who are queer. But we do, we really do make an effort these days and we wanna, we wanna, we wanna put it as much into our outfits as the women do, which I really like. Yeah. yeah. His outfit on the red carpet last night was killer. Google it later also. Not right now. Thank you. He was not shirtless. You'll be very disappointed. But you look great still. 12-year-old. She probably thinks you look great shirtless too, right, 12-year-old? From Zairub. I recently came out to my mom as lesbian. Yeah. I'm Muslim too and have grown up in a Muslim household. It went badly. What advice do you have in regards to being yourself despite hardship? Um, I'm sorry it went badly. Um, I, mine went badly too. Um, my advice is the same as I gave uh, to uh, the other person over there, um, which is take your time. 
um, if, if it was recent, believe me, the first few years are hard and they're very confused. And we have to accept the fact that, you're not gonna like this, but I, I need you to hear it. You, you have to accept the fact that our culture doesn't, where are you? Sorry, oh, actually you don't need to say, you don't need to say, sorry. sorry. Where? Okay, great. <laughs> First off, um, it's super brave that you did that. Uh, I, I know how, I tr believe me, I know how hard it is. Our community doesn't have people in the media, in movies, in our communities who are out and proud. And so you've got to accept the fact that your families have never seen this before. Western communities have had this on TV for decades now. Not great representations, but still, they've, they've been, there's been exposure. And so they understand it. There's representatives, there's, there's representation. We've never had that, so our families are confused. They don't understand what it is. They, they're scared, they're worried about who you might become. It's just, it's a matter of time. I'm hoping that people like me and other people from our communities being more visible on TV will encourage them to see us as the same uh, um, and equal. And so it's just gonna take time. But in the meantime, until our communities catch up with the rest of the world, let them ask you questions. I know they're angry right now. I know that you're angry at them right now. And believe me, it feels real, real shit. I know that feeling all too well. I cried my, there was, uh, we were in uh, Australia last year and I just found out that morning that, that my family were incredibly angry at me. And I had to go on and perform for 12 hours pretending I was happy every day when I cried, cried in the, the restroom every couple of hours. And this was literally just a few months ago. I know how hard it is. But we are now at a point where we are wonderful with each other and I just, it just was a matter of time and it was allowing them to ask the questions they, uh, they just don't understand. Allow them time. As a broke AF college student. <laughs> yes, balance. What are easy, cheap ways to upgrade our work wardrobes? Smart business casual, Jenny and Lorena. Jenny and Lorena, hello. Don't go for anything crazy, keep it super simple, find your style, but go with staples that you know are gonna last a few years. Go with simple cuts, go with simple colors, things that are interchangeable, things that you can make outfits out of. We call it a capsule wardrobe, go for that. Things that are super easy, you can get cheap as anything. Tan loves a capsule wardrobe. Love a capsule wardrobe. Really, <laughs> Favorite word. Really, because it's so, it's so easy, like you go, go, and don't go anywhere expensive. Uniqlo, H&M, Zara, like any of those places. You love cars. I love cars, but it's more expensive. That's a lot for college students. Um, oh, you've ch oh, he's changed. Um, we're the relatable one. <laughs> and, uh, um, and so, yeah, uh, go to those kind of places. Get a $5 T-shirt. Just make sure it's simple enough where you can... Vintage, baby. Oh, vintage, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want to make it so that you can create any outfit really quickly, mix and match that shit like you wouldn't believe. So get like 20 things maximum, make sure they're all classic, simple, but they represent your style, and then rotate, rotate, rotate. I love hearing you talk about fashion. You're like, yeah. your face just lights up. Um, I'm newly single after three years, starting a new phase of my new career, and everything feels upside down. Yeah. Any, any advice for a transitional period in your mid-20s? Okay. Hello. Is, are you at the front? Leah Margaret. <laughs> I wanted to say your name, but it felt so vulnerable, and yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Clearly, at least one other person can really relate to you on a very personal level. It's hard. Did I meet you yesterday? Oh, hi, sweetheart. God, I can't believe you got two tickets. That's nuts. Thank you so much. Um, restraining order, th that lady there. Um, JK, JK. Uh, JK, JK. Um, uh, my advice is, here's the thing, you are still so young. I know it doesn't feel like it, I know that it feels like, oh my God, it's time, like I need to find somebody. There's no rush, it, truly there's no rush. I know that in America the, the, uh, the nice thing is, oh, by your mid-20s you should find somebody and settle down by the time you're 30. That's America only, nobody else in Europe gives a shit. Move to Europe, <laughs> find somebody great, and love your life. But, what I will say is this, I found my husband uh, after a while of uh, being single, and the only way I could be the best partner for him is by not wanting it, or sorry, not, want, not needing it. I was very good being single, totally happy, and actually he ruined my plan. Um, 
And I'm not saying, do it, don't be fake about it. Don't think, I'm real good with this. Like, I'm really happy single when really you're like, find someone, find someone, find someone. But actually be really good being single and then that's when you'll be a lot more comfortable finding the right person. And you'll, you won't, it won't feel like you desperately need them. You will just want them and they will be additive to your life. I want to do, I'm not even kidding, I want to do a full freaking tour across the country encouraging people to just take time and be single. I want to do a dating tour. I feel like I have, I've helped so many people date at this point because I've been in a very successful relationship for a very long time and I will call you out on your bullshit a lot when most people won't. And I know if you're the problem and I will tell you. I can tell you that that's true. He hates, he hates that I will always give unsolicited advice, but if you really love your friends, you tell them whether they like to hear it or not. Most of the time you're right. When have I been wrong? <laughs> you will learn two things about me in this book. And uh, this is a common thread throughout this book. I love and I told you so more than anyone I know. <laughs> Because, the ring incident. Yes. Wait till you get to... I didn't know that. Constantly. I I, you, you find a time when I'm fucking wrong and tell me. <laughs> Hi, sweet tan, exclamation mark. Where is your favorite, favorite underlined five times, place in London to get a piece of pie, cake, or any pastry? Lexi wants to know. Smiley face heart. <laughs> you know where it is. Where did we go in Soho? We went somewhere for pie in Soho? Yeah. After Nando's. Before oh. India. God, where did we go? I don't remember. We went to that cake place. We got all the cakes. <laughs> oh my God, that is really good, but I don't, that was the first time I'd been there that I don't know uh, the name. Um, I really like the Wolseley um, for after, the afternoon tea and their cake's really good. Do, I don't care if somebody's recording this, I'm just gonna call them out. Don't go to Sketch. They charge, like, uh, for, Americans are always there. And I went once and I just thought, you are tricking these Americans so hard. They've got really cute pink, so it's all pink and it looks gorgeous and it's a great Instagram moment, but it's like $110 for high tea. Fuck yourself. We've actually gone through all the questions. I have a last one and this is yeah. our last question of the night. Sorry, everyone. Tan. Yes, As an love. immigrant to the U.S., how do you keep an open mind and heart to connect and relate to some anti-immigrant people, as shown in Queer Eye, from Daniela? I spent my whole life... Thank you for your question. Um, that, that actually is a really nice question, and I want to explain. I spent my earlier years being really angry at people in England who, uh, who would say really mean things to me, as anyone would. It's a normal reaction to feel anger and hurt. But I learned that that was getting me nowhere. So I used to say, again, cover your ears, 12-year-old. I, I used to... My simple retort was, go fuck it up. Um, but... <laughs> That was getting me nowhere, and that would make them really angry, and it would make me really angry. And so early on, when I got to the age of like 15, 16, 17, I learned the only way to get around that was by asking them, like actually confronting them and saying, I don't understand why you think it's okay to call me that. Why do you think that I am what you think I am? For example, somebody once said, I pay for you to live in this country. No, sir, I can tell your broker's a joke. I pay for you to live in this country. Um, <laughs> bitch, I work. I work. I work two jobs, and so do my family. Like, why do you, just because I'm brown, you think that you... Sometimes you work more than two jobs, even. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, uh, so the only way I can handle that... Sorry, I had a lifetime of training. So now, when I get to... You may remember Corey Waldrop, the cop. I'm not intimidated by those conversations because I've spent my whole life having to convince people that I am equal mm -hmm. uh, to them. And so at this point, I actually see it as a lovely challenge. My in-laws had never met somebody that, that looked like me before, and I convinced them to let me marry their son. <laughs> These are staunch Mormon Wyoming folk, and I convinced them to let this brown Muslim Pakistani guy marry their son. <laughs> I can convince anyone. And I will end on this. If you, uh, this is gonna sound really corny, but I've been in America a long time. I've learned that you guys really like this kind of stuff, so I'm just gonna say, but it really does work. Like, you guys love an Oprah effect. But just by being loving with people, 
Like, it really does have an incredible effect on them. If you lead with that anger, they're going to be angry back. If somebody feels nervous about meeting you because of who you are, because of the fact that you're an immigrant, if you lead with kindness and love, they, what I've found, this is my own personal experience, they're usually quite receptive back, at least to hear what you have to say. And if you don't lead with anger, it's like a missed opportunity to form a connection. Yeah, exactly. And look at all these people that we've helped on Queer Eye. Most of them would never, ever have entertained the idea of having us five queers in their bloody living room. And vice versa. Yeah, and now they love us. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. 92i Talks is supported by a generous endowment established by Daphne Reconati Kaplan and Thomas S. Kaplan. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and find more great conversations at 92yondemand.org.